0: Today, I'm so excited to invite Dana Fullweller, uh, who is a well being educator and consultant supporting proactive approaches in wellbeing and well being in mental health and education. Her experience over the past 15 years spans public education, nonprofit, post secondary, including a classroom teacher, systems leader, and instructor at the University of Calgary. Uh, Dana earned her master's degree focused on whole school well-being from the University of Saskatchewan and her Master's of Applied Positive Psychology, or MAP, from the University of Pennsylvania, where she now serves as an instructor in the MAP program. And uh, I think you'll enjoy this interview and this podcast. We had a great conversation about resilience and some key concepts around Uh, micro moments, impact and recognition, and just other great things that we can do to build resilience in ourselves and in students. So we welcome to our show, Dana Fulweiler. So I am so excited today, and uh, actually feel very privileged to have our our guest with us, um, Dana Fulweiler. And I'm really excited Um, for the conversation we're gonna have. I had the opportunity to hear her present in some meetings I attended a week or so ago and just really enjoyed uh, the presentation. So today we're gonna spend some time talking about the science of well-being and resilience. So um, Dana, welcome to our our podcast. And uh, I'm just gonna start off right off the top of, um, I I have this quote written on my computer screen And it says, hope is the foundation of resilience. And so I'm going to turn it over to you to just talk to us today about resilience and, and share your thoughts and thinking and where we need to go, especially during this hard time. And I'd really like to have part of our conversation talk about what schools, homes, and communities can do to build resilient kids.
1: Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Austin, for having me and inviting me on your podcast. I, too, feel honored. Um, And, you know, I am extremely passionate about these topics for many reasons. I uh, am a teacher at heart always. And this year has challenged us all in numerous ways. and And so I love that quote that you have on your computer. I think that that Really speaks to a lot of the resilience work that I've learned about um, at the University of Pennsylvania and the Penn Resilience Program. really, the belief that good things can and will happen. That's what I think about when I think of of hope. And in terms of resilience, I think of it as that ability to navigate the tough stuff, adversity, uncertainty, grow in the face of challenges, and then bounce forward with hopefully greater strength or at least insight and maybe agility and ability to handle the next, um, thing that, that comes our way. So I think that those two things can, uh, coexist, you know, we can also experience, um, uncertainty and, and the inevitable fears that come with that. And also the hope, um, that good things, can maybe come from this challenge, you know, or that better days are ahead and it's not going to last forever. That's part of optimistic thinking as well. Not just blindly thinking positive, um, because that can be really toxic too, but really just believing also in our own human capacity to navigate the tough stuff and acknowledging and accepting that that is a part of life, Um, so that we can be, you know, better prepared when things come our way. Though a global pandemic is something that we maybe, uh, you know, it's tough to anticipate, <laughs> and um, you know, it's really tough to navigate something that's brand new. That's the other thing. Anytime we're going through something for the first time, is even harder for us because our um, stress response kicks in, and that negativity bias that I, I know I talked about at the Presentation, but learning about the our innate negativity bias has really helped me um, in my own life and in my work with kids and educators. But it's really that we have this adapted trait. Um, Our ancestors survived because they were hyper attuned to danger and cautious of potential threats around us. So it's a good thing that we have this. But in our world today, it can really get in the way of our well being and our resilience. It's hard sometimes for us to distinguish between you know, real and authentic danger and threat and maybe something that's unpleasant or to notice the good stuff. Um, so the research around this suggests that our negativity bias means that the bad is sometimes stronger than the good in our minds. So we can have a really great experience and then one thing uh, goes awry or one, one person says something or... Whatever, and it can send us into this downward spiral. So we zero in on the bad and it kind of becomes all we can see. The good stuff fades into the background. So I think this is particularly uh, impactful right now because there are so many messages around us telling us how bad things are and not to discount those. Really, um, we need to honor the challenges and the real challenge we're going through right now. But at the same time, you know, capitalize on the good when it does come um and again i think that's why it's even more important for us to be intentional with that because it's doesn't always come natural to us <laughs> and for good reason um it helps us stay alive <laughs> uh but you know there's also just huge impacts and benefits to us capitalizing on positive emotion it fundamentally changes the way our brains function so that helps our resilience helps us as I said before, and navigate that adversity and uncertainty, and grow through challenges, and then hopefully bounce forward.
0: So let's uh, let's talk for a minute, just to our listeners about bouncing forward. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and we'll put it in this perspective of a student. I don't know how many students uh, listen to the podcast, but but I'm a student right now in let's say uh, high school, and uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic now for basically two years of the, of their school year. And, you know, it's been a challenge. Maybe my uh, marks or grades aren't as good as I'd hope they'd be. My attendance has struggled because of quarantine. Um, How, how do I, you know, not have that negativity bias that you talked about and that we always see the bad, but how do I bounce forward? What is, what does that look like for somebody?
1: Mm -hmm. That's a really, really great question. And great to ground it in a particular context because, you know, it can look, and even within that context, it can look different to different students, you know, based on their own circumstance at home or at school um, and their friend group or, you know, all sorts of factors that play into our resilience. Um, But I think first and foremost, recognizing that this is a hard thing to go through and that you are not alone in going through it. The, the compassion around that common humanity <laughs> that we are you know, all going through difficult, a difficult thing, but that you're also built for that. You're built to overcome and navigate through those things and to really think about the things that you have learned through this experience. What have you learned about yourself? Um, what are you proud of in yourself? Or maybe what are you proud of in what other people have done? Um, you know, and then we also can tackle in real time, our own thinking traps that kind of, (laughs) our negativity bias likes those, um, things like jumping to conclusions or catastrophizing or personalizing something. These are thinking traps that can get us caught in, um, you know, that spiral of thinking that we aren't going to be able to recover from this. So real-time resilience prompts could be a more productive way to see this is, I've learned a lot about myself and these are the specific things that I've already done. It can be really helpful to think about um, a challenge that you've already overcome and then what helped you through that and how can you use those strengths in this uh, particular situation. And actually specific to COVID, there's a um, a body of research that's being developed this year uh, based on a model called SEARCH. And it was developed by um, a psychologist in Australia, Lee Waters. It's called SEARCH. So it stands for Strengths, Emotional Management, Attention and Awareness, Relationships and Connection, Coping, and Habits and Goals. And so Again, this model is specific to education. It's data-driven. I'm happy to link to the uh, papers on this if listeners want to learn a bit more about it. Um, but Lee, Dr. Waters and her colleagues are exploring this year how the role that search has played in schools for students and teachers to experience post-traumatic growth or post-adversarial growth. So how they have navigated the pandemic, and experienced growth as a result. Um, So what they've done is they've asked students prior to COVID to what degree did your school teach you or have you learned and practiced how to use your strengths, your character strengths, how to understand and manage your emotions, how to calm yourself when you're feeling stressed, um, fostering positive relationships with others, how to cope with challenges and setbacks, um, and then as a result, what they're finding is that the more students practiced and learned about those skills, the more likely they are to report things like, I've learned to deal better with uncertainty, or I've learned not to let small hassles bother me the way that they used to. Um, I found that I you know, was stronger than I thought I was. And a big part of the, the strengths piece, so the S in search, I really want to highlight around character strengths and how impactful that is in the well-being and resilience research. We have this strengths blindness sometimes too. We can see strengths in other people, but it can be more difficult for us to see the strength in ourselves. And using our character strengths in times of struggle can really help us with that bounce forward um, momentum. And so I would really encourage people. Actually, I've done this with my high school students. I taught high school psychology for a number of years. And every year I taught about positive psychology and we talked about strengths. And I had them do this via character survey. So viacharacter.org. It's a free survey. Um, There's one for adults and one for youth. And I think they're developing one for um, younger children. But every semester, my students would be like, wow, this is the first time I've really thought about my strengths like this. We often think about skill-related strengths. These are character strengths. So for example, my top character strength is gratitude. Um, Second is appreciation of beauty and excellence. Third, creativity. So it gives you kind of a constellation of your character strengths. Not to say that You know, it's a bad thing that like forgiveness, for example, is my 24th consistently, (laughs) but it doesn't mean I, I don't ever forgive people. We just all have this different constellation of strengths that come naturally to us. And so in times of struggle, when we really need to activate our resilience, gratitude comes easy for me. And so that's something that I can naturally and really easily access when I'm going through a hard time and it gives me a natural well-being boost, but it's also something that, you know, for students listening and for any of us going through a hard time or helping someone with a hard time, you can say, how could you use one of your character strengths to help you through this? Um, And again, building that self-awareness because self-awareness in and of itself is a protective factor and a resilience resource. Um, so character strengths can also just help us build that.
0: I, I, I love that, um, piece on, on gratitude. And of course there's uh, lots of research right now on, on gratitude
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, uh, you know, ha- keeping gratitude journals. Um, we had, uh, Dr. Greg Wells present to our staff, um, kind of on a wellness day. And, and of course he talked about gratitude and keeping a gratitude journal and, the research mm-hmm. on that, and so I love the role that that plays in resilience. Um, uh, one of the questions I have, and I know, um, like in your presentation, you talked on this, but I really um, the piece on belonging and how it relates to to um, resilience, and and you know, I I think um, I read a quote that said a sense of belonging we need to feel acknowledged seen and loved by at least one other person. We need to be held in, um, in someone else's heart and mind, uh, even when we're apart. And, Mm -hmm. and so I just wondered what your thoughts were on belonging as it relates to resilience and that, that piece that you also talked about where resilience leads to that post-traumatic growth or, or becoming anti fret. um, uh, what was the term you anti-fragile. used? Anti fragile. Yeah, anti fragile. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember what the term was you used.
1: <laughs> <Yes. But> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, connection and belonging. We we really, well, we're wired to connect just as much as we're wired for for hard things, and that's part of why this past year has been so difficult. But connection is part of belonging. And really being intentional in, in strengthening our connections, getting curious about each other, learning about each other, going beyond you know some not that surface level questions are a bad thing, but getting uh, deeper. And I, I talked in my um, presentation about high quality connections, which are a specific you know type of high energy life-giving, mutually energizing, Connection that we can have, like micro moments of connections in our day. And when I think about a school, you know, you pass someone in the hallway or you, I mean, even on a Zoom call, whatever, but weaving in opportunities where we can ask some big talk questions and strengthen a sense of belonging through genuine curiosity and interest in each other. Um, You know, tell me about something you're excited about right now. What are you proud of from the last week? Uh, What's your biggest blooper from the last week? And normalizing normalizing challenge and failure and mistakes and those kinds of things in, in conversation can help also build a culture of belonging because it normalizes it. So when something goes wrong for you, you don't feel out of place. It's something that we all as humans experience. And another concept I just want to bring up here on the topic of belonging is um, mattering. And in positive psychology, Isaac Pilotensky talks about this as impact and recognition. And that these aren't just nice to haves. We, We need to feel like we have opportunities to add value to our community or to our school. And that we have, and that we feel valued for that. So adding value and feeling valued or impact and recognition. So I think those are that to me is just a really easy go-to kind of pulse check. In what ways are we giving people opportunities to add value? And in what ways are we valuing that impact and, and those contributions?
0: I really love that idea, actually, that impact and recognition. So am I adding value to the organization? And I mean by that my family or Mm -hmm. my school or my friend group or my team, and then being recognized for the value we add. The other one that I loved, and and you talked about this already, but I just really love the idea of the uh, micro moments of connection.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, and I think we all, um, including myself in this underestimate a a friendly smile. I know we can't do them as much as we used to, but a high five, a greeting at the door, Mm -hmm. a wink, um, whatever it is that that micro moment of connection can change somebody's life and increase their, their ability to be resilient in a, in a challenge. And so I, I really, um, uh, enjoy that thought. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, and I think there's also just to a uh, quick jump um, onto to that point with HQCs, not that education needs more acronyms, but high quality connections or HQCs. They are also in um, a recent paper uh, that came out about what's helping buffer and bolster mental health during the pandemic. And uh, along with decades of, of research to kind of match and, and, um, support what you're saying and what we kind of know intuitively how impactful those micro moments can be. But not only building resilience, they can broaden our thinking capacity, higher cognitive performance, improved pro social activity and cooperation, um, even job satisfaction and engagement, and physiological changes too. They strengthen or they can strengthen our immune responsiveness to stress. So all sorts of of benefits and kind of the ripple effect of that is pretty significant.
0: Awesome. So I maybe should have asked you at the very beginning of this conversation, but but how did you move, you were a classroom teacher, uh, been involved in administration, but how did you move into this work on connection and resilience and overall wellness? Where did that, that come from? Because um, I think understanding that um, helps all of us understand Where where we can um, go with it personally? Maybe we don't we don't um, study Mm -hmm. it or or present on it, but where we can go personally with that. So so how did you? um, This was your your passion, your love, your desire.
1: For sure, that's a great question. It all honestly has kind of been building my whole career. So I started teaching in two thousand six. Well, before that, I taught in Australia for a little while, and then. When I started teaching in Calgary, I taught junior high uh, for six years. And I just really saw how reactive we can sometimes be when it came to mental health and well-being and um, for myself too, (laughs) just started thinking more about the importance of being proactive and how well-being is in service of everything else, you know, Um, and again, Research backs this now too. I just kind of took a deep dive into how we can create supportive cultures of well being in education where teachers feel really energized and um, students feel really energized, where you could walk into a building and people are supported and the community comes together. So I just, the first school I was at was amazing at doing that already. And we, Created a, a well being action team, just myself and one other teacher who, you know, we kind of got on our soapbox and said, This is important. And we just started um, asking our colleagues questions how can we help you? How can we support your well being? We had really supportive uh, administration. We ended up starting a breakfast program and um, just different initiatives for teacher well being, just like fun. Um, social gatherings and uh, a regular gratitude practice in the school where students and teachers could express gratitude to each other. And that led me to do a master of education where my research really looked at um, sustainable whole school well-being and teacher well-being and how those two interacted. And the foundation was strong relationships um, between all levels, which again is not all that surprising, but it was just really validating to see that emerge. And then I moved into high school and started teaching high school psychology, as I mentioned. And that's where I discovered positive psychology as a field. And it was really what I had already been thinking about. I didn't realize there was a whole field dedicated to it. Um, And as a field, it really started in the late 90s um, out of this acknowledgement that psychology should be just as focused with what goes right with us as it is with what goes wrong. And that by building upon those strengths and resources, ignoring the other stuff, but it's a yes. And like, all of it is important how we can, um, build and cultivate meaningful lives and strengthen our relationships and again, be really proactive um, about our well-being and mental health. So I just started to see those principles come alive in my students um, and in my own family life as well. Uh, at the time, my, my dad was going through cancer and I was treatment and I was just seeing so much of his resilience and, you know, the things that he was experiencing and navigating Um, and the principles of positive psychology really alive in him. And yeah, so that I just kind of dreamed of pursuing the MAP program at the University of Pennsylvania, which is where Dr. Martin Seligman, he initiated the program and initiated the field, um, the scientific study of it. So yeah, I applied and the rest is history, I guess. (laughs) I, uh, I got in and um just had this incredible opportunity, and still do i just I love to learn, so that's kind of been been my journey in a bit of a long winded nutshell
0: <laughs> that's awesome. so let me ask you this so you were in a junior high, you said you did it really well um in this well being piece what what would it look like if you were to walk into a school? what would be the you know looks like you know, for lack of better visuals looks like mm-hmm. smells like tastes like what what would you look for in a school when you walk in and said, this is a school that's building resilience. They have, they have this figured out. What what would those, those signs be?
1: Well, I think that the first thing that comes to mind is that um, we're always figuring it out. (laughs) So, and uh, you know, I think a a place that is just willing to ask those questions too, and get curious about what we can, what, I think a place that asks, what are we doing really well? How can we build on that? And where are our gaps and how can we build on that? Um, a building that is uh, encouraging those conversations and empowering people to take initiative because that's been my own experience. And also, again, in, in um, the research, that's what it would sound like and look like as well as people working together. and. Um, encouraging each other around uh, continual growth, I guess, but also celebrating the good things. Because I think often in, in education, and this is a great thing, we think like, how can we do better? Um, but I, I have an opportunity to teach pre-service teachers right now. And we've had a great conversation about celebrating the good things that went well in a lesson, for example, or in what the school is doing well. We, we do needs assessments, but Um, there's a a great process for change called appreciative inquiry. Anyone who's interested, feel free to reach out to me, but that's something that we did at my first school to kind of get everyone's voice involved. So I think that that is living resilience in action, you know, and through, as a result of that, there's a lot of things that will, Come up in specific skills and strategies like growth mindset and self regulation and self efficacy that we can build. Those are resilience resources. Um, But just even actively involving students and teachers and all staff in a conversation about what's possible. You know, what's possible in this school? What would it look like for us to have a well school where, you know, mattering is valued, well being is alive um hqcs are happening all the time you know what would that look like for us and really getting um curious and open to those conversations cuz again it's really needs to be contextually relevant if that makes sense
0: yeah 100% so um and i'm just sort of jumping around cuz uh, oh yeah things pop, things pop into my mind as you talk we talked about cultivating a matter of um, and mattering and efficacy, and I just wrote down through AI, but I didn't write down what AI stood for. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and so maybe for my own deep understanding from the meeting I attended with you, uh, yes, and, and and a little description of AI and what that looks like.
1: Absolutely. So it's appreciative inquiry is really the foundational belief is that our words create our world. And when we're looking to create any kind of personal or organizational shift, it really helps to start from a place of strength. And again, because of our negativity bias and the way we, we are hyper attuned to solving problems, to finding problems and then wanting to solve them, it can be a bit counterintuitive to start from a place of strengths, but so powerful. And energizing for everybody involved. So there's different stages to the AI process, and the first one starts with defining, like what is it that we're going to talk about, or what is it that we our focus is. And so let's just say it's um, well-being in our school. So the next stage is the dream stage, and it's really getting at stories and having people share, like when have you been your best? You know, tell a story or think of a time when you were your most energized at work or at school. And then what made that possible? Like, what about this space or this, you know, classroom or whatever made that experience possible for you? Can you list or think of specific moments? Um, And that's, you know, AI could be days long. (laughs) It could be stretched out. It could be... um, a conversation where you quickly go through things. You could give people questions and prompts ahead of time and come together, but it's really about collectively designing, um, your space. So the next stage is dream. Um, and so it's really, did I say dream the first time? I think it's discover is first. Yes. Discover is first. My, my bad. Um, and then dream. So what, what could be possible? So based on those stories of us at our best, what is, um, let's just dream like in an ideal world, what could be possible? What would we like to see happen? And that could, you know, important in that stage to just kind of not be focused on, well, that would never work, (laughs) which is kind of our go-to, um, but just really to dream. And then as a result of that, you kind of get at the needs uh, because you see the gap between like the discover and what's possible and the dream. So the next stage is design. How do we take that dream and put it into action? How can we, um, you know, take what we've discovered and the creativity and the dream, and then bring it to the best of what is together and what might be create the ideal and then co-construct. So that stage is all about co-constructing. Within the reality of our resources, what aspects of the dream can we make a reality? And then um, the final stage is deliver. So it's really actionable, identifies how the design is delivered, prioritizes actions, delegates responsibilities, um, drives it forward into reality. So we did a similar process in my first school and it was powerful because again, you're, you're jumping at people's stories, which already energizes us and specifically teasing out what, what's going well and then involves everyone in envisioning what's possible.
0: Awesome. I, I love the thought that came out of that is that our words create our world and how mm-hmm. important it is to, to go through that process and in, in understanding that. So I have a question because I, I think sometimes there's some confusion between resiliency and I'll use these terms, grit, um, <laughs> get her done, grind it out, cowboy up, whatever, depending on where you're living, <laughs> whatever. Yes. term. <laughs> so what's, what's kind of the difference between that, the, that thinking and the idea that, you know, we're going to have kids have grit. Um but resilience is a little bit different uh, from my understanding and my own reading what What would you say to that?
1: Well, I would say that you know resilience is is really broad um, as a as a concept as something that can be developed it 's not something that you just have or you don't it's something that we can actually intentionally cultivate in ourselves and in the people around us um, you know grit. Passion and perseverance. I had the great privilege of learning from Dr. Angela Duckworth, who um, wrote the book Grit. She was my research and statistics teacher. It's instructor at MAP, and uh, (laughs) the most fun I've had in a math course ever. I will say, she's an exceptional educator. but, (laughs) But she herself, you know obviously she's done a lot of research around grit, but she said, you know, it's it's our the whole spectrum of our character. And actually, if anyone um, wants to learn more about her work too, there's a great resource on her nonprofit characterlab.org. Well, actually the whole website is a great resource. She, um, you know, just said grit is not the be all end all. <laughs> and there's times when we, we don't need to grit. So it's not like this kind of, catch-all, magic fix. Our overall character matters, and our overall character is part of being resilient, um, at, as well as a lot of other factors. So resilience can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, and I think that's also an important acknowledgement, too, that there's lots of different ways of looking at resilience. Um, for example, here in Canada, at Dalhousie University they talk a lot about resilience as not being a DIY endeavor. It's not just do it yourself. We need to be cultivating communities that care about each other and support each other. And that there's, you know, the structures we have in place contribute to resilience. Um, And sometimes that messaging around just, you know, buck up and, you know, grit your way through something really implies that it's on the individual alone also Which can be a problematic message because we're not all at the same starting line. We're not all dealing with the same circumstances. Um, And, you know, also just having resilience and being a resilient person doesn't mean that you don't go through hard times and struggle and, you know, have really low moments. And that's why emotional agility and mental agility are also resources for resilience they help us get through those things. Um but you know that messaging can be problematic that we just need to kind of get our way through something. Um, There's also a great saying when know when to grit and when to quit. (laughs) And I think I I love that one too, because it's, you know, the the message of like grit is just the number one thing we should always be cultivating. doesn't acknowledge that sometimes we should let go of a goal. Like maybe that's not a goal we, sh- we need to be gritting on anymore. <laughs> um, anyway, lots of thoughts. I could talk for hours about that, but I hope that answered your question.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. I really appreciate that. So if there was one question that you would have liked me to ask today about the work you're involved in or, or something that you would like to share with us, what would that be?
1: Oh, that is! I think you covered so much ground, Austin. I really appreciate um, your questions. I, I think I'll just add that you know, there's no one, um, there's no one perspective on well-being or resilience, which I think is a great thing. I think we can take the best of all the things out there and figure out what it means to us and how what it looks like in practice to us. Um. You know, we I think we're all doing the best we can with what we have right now. And uh I think it can help to acknowledge that in ourselves and also in each other <laughs> um during such a, a challenging time. Um yeah, and I think I also just want to say thank you to anyone in working in education right now. That's one thing that is maybe not a question to be asked, but I'm just so in awe of. Anyone working in the education space, so thank you to you. Um, thank you for putting together a podcast like this, and you know, bringing your community together. That's the other thing: is this is an act of creating a community of resilience and well-being in and of itself. So that's something I think a lot about: is how are we actually living these practices day to day? Sometimes we see things on paper, or you know, we talk about them, but don't necessarily stop and think, wow, like what I'm doing right now is contributing to this. Um, and I, that is just one thing I, I would, I just want to highlight is asking ourselves in what ways is this already alive and how can I, how can I boost it in my everyday actions? It's kind of like those little moments. Um, and I think I shared this in our presentation or in my presentation, uh, with you, but, um, One of the things that's really resonated with educators and anyone I've kind of been speaking to this year, just having some daily questions for yourself, for your own personal well-being, but that also kind of generate a ripple effect. So there's this list of questions that Brooke Anderson put together at the start of the pandemic, and they include, what am I grateful for today? Who am I checking in on or connecting with today? What expectations am I letting go of today? How am I getting outside? How am I moving my body today? And what beauty am I either creating, cultivating, or inviting in today? I love that set of questions. It's been hugely impactful for me to just even pick one of those. You know, sometimes putting a visual somewhere in your house and just picking one every day. I know educators who this year have been, they've built those into a daily practice. Um, But just recognizing that it's not about, minimizing or ignoring the hard stuff. Um, but just capitalizing again on the good when we can and being intentional with it every day.
0: I I love those questions and I had not heard of them uh, before today. So I'm going to, I'll
1: have to send you, I'll send you the link to the the full article and then, um, you can share that with people as well.
0: That would be awesome. We'll link them into the, the podcast. So, um, that's great. I really appreciate that. Well, I have loved this conversation. Ditto. Um, I can't believe that uh, 40, almost 45 minutes has passed already. I know. Um, and I could continue on in this conversation. I really, uh, I love the conversation of, of resilience and, and uh, becoming resilient. Uh, I love that my role in that, the idea of the, the micro moments, um, impact and re- um, recognition uh, just, just kind of everything that you've talked about today um, helps me want to, to be better and do better and to help others have that same place and build space for resilience um, in our community, in our homes, uh, and in our schools. So thank you so much for uh, uh, being with us today, uh, Dana, and, and have uh, appreciate your time because I'm sure you're very busy and um, love that you were, were able to take time to be with us today.
1: It was again my honor. Thank you so much for inviting me. Happy to happy to chat anytime.